Thanks for coming back. First app no was a rager. People loved it. I loved it. It was so educational. And I think we have a ton of questions that just to keep talking nutrition, get it dialed. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is like, it's so hard to take nutritional advice out of context and to make it accessible for the masses because everybody has their own little takeaways that they'll take. And then some people will will kind of have an idea. Other people won't have an idea and they try to apply it and they think, oh, well, I've, I I did what she said in the podcast, but I still feel like crap. And then you actually look a little, little bit deeper and like their sleep is horrific and mm-hmm. they're like, you know, they're susceptible to in, in um, what do you call it? Uh, illnesses all the time because they've just been doing it for so long, so wrong. And it's so hard to like give advice give numbers even to people and then expect it to be their saving grace. Right. And I think that there's all those other factors, even things of, well, I felt, I don't know. I fueled, but I felt really tired. I said, well, you just did a three hour ride with VO2 max intervals. You should feel tired. The the nutrition does not make you superwoman. So (laughs) I think there's, yeah. And then there's also the people that take shortcuts that, there were a lot of recommendations. I said, well, wait, what's this number? I said, you, you, didn't, you didn't watch the video. You can't, I mean, mm. you gotta pay attention. So, And you did, uh, you did mention about the Discord question and, you know, somebody maybe interpreting it as if it's a good idea to restrict carbohydrates after a ride. And that's, that was obviously a gross mis- misinterpretation. Obviously, it's obviously nothing that n- it's never what I would recommend. Um, and that's where it gets a little bit confusing. And you really have to like, look at what they're kind of doing the whole the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's even let's jump in. We have a bunch of questions. Thank you to everybody that submitted some. And then I have a bunch of carb loading questions. I think the first one that and I'm curious your thoughts on this. When we're talking about adding electrolytes to do-it-yourself drink mix, salt, Some so, someone wrote in, hey, salt might be okay, but what about the lack of potassium, magnesium, and calcium? Now, what do you feel about this? Because there is some research that shows those are not necessary and that it is just the sodium piece. Do you think that we need to be adding these other three, potassium, magnesium, calcium, for people that are making their do-it-their-own do it drink mix? I think it's worth it. Because, I mean, it's all going to be depicted or um, depending on what your sweat rate is, you know, and what the, but there is a general concentration of all those electrolytes in sweat. So if you have a high sweat rate, there there is going to be some depletion there. Now, I know that link that you sent me um, kind of alluded to that there wasn't much depletion of, say, magnesium and um, I think it was potassium, but we do know that for prolonged periods of time, if you're sweating profusely all the time, you could be at risk for magnesium depletion. And like, if it's not going to be a case of you add it in your electrolyte mix, then supplementing it might be more convenient. This guy mentioned uh, calcium in particular. And I mean, if you do eat dairy, like if you do have a good intake of calcium that meets the minimum requirement for calcium intake throughout the day, then it's probably not worth maybe you uh, supplementing mm-hmm. uh, with electrolyte in your drink mixes. But say for me, I can't go near dairy with a barge pole, uh, like, like lactose containing dairies, I mean. Um, so I would have to 
included into my electrolyte mix because that's what I need. But it all depends really on what their what their natural dietary intake is anyway. Well, so then also if you're using Himalayan pink salt, that is 98% sodium chloride and 2% of -hmm. the trace minerals that include those. Do you think in that 2% there might be enough? Like, how do we know? I mean, without testing, you got to get tested. Getting bloods done and testing your mineral content for all these various things. Um, There are various like uh, symptoms that could show up that if you're magnesium depleted or that, but you'd really like, you'd have to be really magnesium depleted for any of those kind of symptoms of, um, of, of the, of those to kind of show up. And, but because they're so important for muscle contraction and, um, well, muscle function, like I think it's better to hedge your bets and just say, well, I'll add it to my drink mixes because I need it. Um, and if I, if I know I have a sweet, really sweaty sweat rate. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I don't want to have to add something, but maybe I'll go back to it. Go we'll ahead. see. TBD. We won't belabor that one. Uh, okay. big question. That's, I think, what are the basic gram per kilogram body weight recommendations for protein after a long ride or hard lift session? And then maybe also what about just during a normal train, maybe like an endurance day? So I'll always, it depends on, okay. I'll always depends, Brendan. This is going to be the, uh, the topic of the day, right? So what is, what kind of phase is the athlete in, right? If they are in a strength phase and maybe they're wanting to target growing lean muscle mass, then their overall protein intake shouldn't be any, anything less than say, again, it all depends on what their training load is for that day. Right. But I would like to see it above two grams per kilo. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then if they are in a calorie deficit and they can, manage it with respect to their overall calorie intake and their carbohydrate and fat needs on that day, then ideally I'd like to keep that as close to two as possible. But 1.8 is a good point, good starting point. Um, I like to kind of structure, I like to structure plans around food, uh, not so much about these. Well, I, I guess I kind of am. I'm just kind of naturally doing it. But um, then so after, but specifically after uh after resistance training, uh, that's 0.3 grams per kilo of protein. Or is it 0.5? Holy God, I can't remember. <laughs> but anyways, it's something around 30 grams, right? Now, yeah. and that obviously has You're to be- You're talking about from, right after the session. Yeah, yeah, right after the session. Okay, yeah, not um, total for the day. No, 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 that's that's in the sort of the 30 to 60 minutes after a session. Got and it. then obviously your um your other 30 grams or 30 or 40 grams per uh, in your like a recovery meal. So that's where the protein shakes can come in handy. Now that's for a resistance session. Okay. Your priority after resist resistance a strength session is uh full on protein um delivery, like fast release protein that'll go straight to the muscle and repair all the little um damage that you've done then but for a really high intensity or a really long duration bike ride obviously the priority for that session is carbohydrate repletion replenishment and the protein in there isn't so much there's not a lot of muscle damage that actually happens when you've done like a high a long endurance ride there obviously is some micro damage but not quite as much obviously from strength session so your priority there is uh, is your carbohydrate replenishment 
with some protein. So usually it's that three to one uh, carbs for protein, which is usually works out about 20 grams of protein post-ride. Immediately and like how many post-ride. Grams of car- and how many grams of carbs post-ride? Uh, well, if it's three to one, then that's 20 to 80, no, 60, 60 grams. Okay. I'm even doing more, especially if I have like, an, and I guess that, but again, it depends. What do you do in the next day? So that yeah. play that in. Okay. Yeah. And what have you eaten in the hours before? Like if it's a really, so I've just gone up, gotten off a call with a girl who train has to train really late in the evening and she wants to go to bed as quickly as possible. So uh, we're actually structuring it so that she can preload that carbon protein um, mix, suppose, uh, before her ride, then she can get her recovery meal immediately after, like within that 30 minutes and then can go to bed as quickly as possible rather than having the recovery shake, then rec- the recovery meal and then have to go to bed. So it's just about where the training fits in the day as well. So here's an interesting thing. Uh, there's a podcast you might want to listen to with Tim Podlegar. Do you know him? Podlegar? Yeah. Yeah. From Slovenia. And he was on Pro Tri News. And he has a study that came out last year where they were looking at the difference in 90 grams or 120 grams an hour. And does it help delay the amount of glycogen that we use? And there was no mm-hmm. glycogen sparing if you ate more carbs. And so he's had this hypothesis that he dropped very quickly. He had this line where he's like, well, your pre-activation ride, since glycogen is our preferred fuel source, If you have a race the next day, you want to do this ride as early as possible because you're using the glycogen. That's the whole point of carb loading. So your carb loading starts after that ride. And so I'm like, damn, if I drive somewhere and then do an opener's ride, I'm tapping way more glycogen than I should be. Like maybe I should be actually doing the ride before I drive. I got into a little quick conversation on Instagram with him because we won't go open this can of worms, but it's interesting to think of how timing of any exercise can affect our carb loading. And we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting. And I, I think at the end of the day though, like you just said, you need to make this work as best as possible with your life scenario. So even if it's not perfect, yeah. yeah. It's better than not thinking about it and trying to plan or like, well, I'm not going to eat at all because I'm going to use my glycogen. I'm going to try and eat 2000 calories at 10 p.m. and then go to bed. Now you wrecked your sleep and not, you know, <laughs> so I think that's super smart and helping an athlete yeah. through that because it is yeah. nutrition can be so confusing. Like that sleep low study where they basically exercise uh, working muscles to exhaustion before bed, they replenish with a moderate amount of carbohydrate put them to sleep and then exercise them fasted in the morning, right? There's this study and it regulates um, uh, PGC1-alpha, which is master regulator for endurance adaptations, right? And uh, that study, if I was to try and get some athletes to do that, they'd be like, no chance, Ellen, am I going to bed hungry and then going to do a session in the morning? Like there's so much uh, confusion around that kind of thing. And I think sleep it's not really recorded. It's not recorded as part of that study that yes, their sleep probably was disrupted. Um, however, the rated the ratings of perceived exertion in that hour long fasted session that they do in the morning is markedly increased Way versus higher. when they were obviously fed um, and didn't and did repl- replenish their carbohydrates after the session the night before. But God, imagine, like, I mean, the studies, the studies are, they use various things, right? And how to actually deplete glycogen as much as possible 
so that the the the, the muscle is empty of glycogen and um like it could be anywhere between like three by eight minutes at sort of threshold or you know a couple of maximal sprints but either way if it's depleted and then you have to go to bed like i i just think it's a nasty place to be mm, yeah i can't sleeping super hungry sounds terrible speaking of let's what are your carb loading recommendations oh i have so much fun with carb loading people yes are well Honestly, let's, let me ask you first do you believe in carb is carb loading necessary or is it, is it beneficial? it's like saying i don't know what <laughs> Anyway, um, sorry, ask that question again. Is it beneficial to carb load? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Any session longer than 90 minutes, you can benefit from it. Depends. Like if you want to get the most out of yourself and you feel like you can, uh, if you've got, say if you've done all your training and you've made the sacrifices to show up to a race and it's longer than 90 minutes, I would say do as much as you possibly can to get to that race with as much fuel available to you as you possibly do as can so you can finish in in the best people think position. i'm crazy i carb load for crits when it's i'm warming up i'm racing an hour and then mm -hmm. if i do two i have to wait around for an hour or two hours kind of rewarm up and do another so if i do double crits i talk to them I'm like oh i'm definitely carb loading. they said it's two one-hour races i said it's two one-hour races with two 30-minute warm-ups and a two hours in between like Okay. Oh yeah. Full on, full on carb loading territory I'm, for me. I'm By the way, hard. The first thing I was supposed to say to you was congratulations on the on the national jersey. Thank like, you. Appreciate it. Mega. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. It super. Took me way too long, considering you have it in the background there. Yeah. I might oh, just start that. draping them around the house. It's actually I put oh, whoops, one in my the closet. Flag. <laughs> oh, what did I drop here? No, I put one in my closet. I've, I've, I've had some in this drawer that I've just, I'm like, I'm just going to, I'll keep these. I don't really wear them that often. And, but I hung one up and I was like, this is just a good reminder every morning. Like, let's go. Let's freaking, oh, they focus. Absolutely. I 100% believe in that. I actually, this is going to sound so big headed, but I created a montage of all the video clips of me either getting interviewed, winning a race or um, getting on the podium. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've put that into a little video clip. Mm. And I replay that to myself before a oh. race thinking, yes, you can. Yeah, yes, you definitely can. You've done it in the past. See, look, yeah, you know, so as That's many reminders that you can smart. get of that. Yeah, I think <laughs> most athletes have a problem with, you know, I've, I had coaches that instilled confidence and the mental side of things. And we're getting off nutrition real quick, but it's just that important. And it's, you have to be able to convince yourself before the race that you have a chance to win or whatever your win is going to be. Or when things get really hard, there's going to be that thing in your show says, ah, that girl's better than you. She's going to drop you. Okay. You know what? I'm, she's supposed to ride away. Never mind. And screw that. Believe in yourself. We're, we put in all this time. We put in all this effort. Everyone's, you know, super focused and trying to dial their game and believe in yourself. You deserve it. You're worth it. All right. Brendan, I've literally had a, a couple of consultations with a mental coach that literally talk word for word about those little demons on my shoulder that tell you, no, you're not good enough. And mm. honestly, like that is a whole different podcast. We won't even go into it. So let's but go back and circle back. You know, to I want to jump on that, though, because somebody asked okay. me in another podcast, what do you do to cope when you're doing really hard workouts? When it starts, there is that thing that always says, do you really want to do this today? Like, this is fun. And it's like, no, shut up. I want to do this because I want to try and beat so-and-so. I want to try and get on the level of so-and-so. And I think of people that inspire me. So it's like, 
Okay, mm. carb loading. Let's Yes. So let's dive into that. Okay. So uh let's say you've got your session and it's your you sorry, you've got your event and it's longer than 90 minutes. Okay. Depending on how long it is, I might actually do a couple of days, maybe one or two days. Um, there are other considerations for that week. Again, depending on how long it is, especially for runners, we might try and um minimize their fiber intake during the week. If I know they have some trouble with dairy, I would probably start eliminating that during the week as well. But mostly, can I ask you a question uh, I, on that? Sorry, I just want to jump in because this is the ahead. number one pushback that I hear from athletes, and I feel like fiber makes you go to the bathroom really well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I want, almost want to test this, but I love fiber. Do athletes ever say, "Hey, I'm like pooping less," or I have like my my normal <laughs> routine is now like off because? Yep. The key, two poops to podium. If you poop twice in the morning of a bike race, you're probably going to win. It's like proven. Oh. No, like but I'm just, this is a real thing. People have is this, is this to a maximum or to a minimum? <laughs> anyway, would, yes, to yeah. answer your question. Well, 100%. Minimum. But I think that does it throw people off their normal schedule? I think most yes. athletes are regular in that yeah realm. yeah no it and, can and, and this I is why you kind of want to keep that. that as opposed to saying let's take this fiber out to maybe i mean do you see that big of a weight decrease that it's beneficial since you are well, holding on to more water with the carb loading there's there's a couple of different things that are uh helping with the fiber uh, re- reduction okay? okay so yes it will uh potentially we oh, see this is the thing it's kind of all anecdotal as well right so one guy i had who um who was doing a bunch of back-to-back races over in Spain and he decided, oh, well, I'm racing sort of every second or third day. So I'll just take out fiber all the time and just completely carbs. I get a message saying, Ellen, I haven't pooped in six days. Whoa. I'm like, what have you done? What have you done? Yeah, <laughs> kind what of thing, right? Done? That is not good. You know, he was feeling bloated. He was feeling like Ooh, just obviously weird. needed to go. So I'm like, get on the prunes, get on the pears kind of thing. And within seconds, it was just like, oh yeah, okay, I'm fixed now. So he was taking it to to extreme. Okay. Um, But that was just a, that was just a kind of a, a kind of a, well, I want to raise my best every single day here. So this is what I think will help, but it's not going to help over such a long period of time. The fiber intake is not generally the whole week. It's hopefully for me, I would say a couple of days, but some people will actually, uh, I've had a couple of guys who follow the carb loading protocol that I, fo- that I create and they actually will poop out like a lot on those days hmm. because everything's just kind of getting pushed through because of the vast quantities of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and fiber slows down the passage of food through the colon or, or through digestive um, tract so that it can kind of, well, it depends on what type of fiber it is, obviously, but the, say the roughage type things, like say the celery strings or um, what else, the skins in orange and that kind of stuff, that's, that'll kind of scrub out everything and, and push it out rather than say other things like oats that kind of swell up and create a lot of bulk and then they'll come out. So uh, to answer your question there, the fiber intake, that's that's kind of maybe a personal thing. However, if they have issues with digestion on a day, say for runners in particular, and they are likely or they have experienced some kind of runner's diarrhea symptoms in the past, 
it's better for them to make sure they have a completely cleared digestive tract before their event because they don't want anything lingering in there that can cause havoc during the event. Do you have to like not eat? I don't know anything about this with running. Like, do you not eat? No, it's not not eating. It's just minimizing fiber intake. But there's there's a whole host of things that you might want to consider as part of that. This, I think the biggest headline for this part of the podcast is test this on yourself, everybody. Figure out what works for you. You oh know, yeah, I would never that send goes with anybody. Anything, but really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't try this new poop strategy the day before a pig race. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I don't. I won't give anybody a pre-race day template or plan if they can't practice it the day and uh, uh, during training at some it. point. Again, their race day breakfast, they have to practice it a couple of times before they can um, before they actually go into a race. So. My recommendation is generally just for handiness, because it's so easy for me to plan it this way, is 10 grams per kilo of carbohydrate. Simple carbohydrates, minimal fiber, like cereal. Go ahead. Is this for three hours and six hour events? No matter what's duration? Yeah, no. It kind of goes back to what I said there about depending on how long it is. Yeah. They For somebody doing an Ironman, and again, it depends on what time of day it starts at as well. Like when they're doing their activation ride, when a couple of different factors, if it's starting at the crack of dawn on the day of the event, two days before, it's definitely a good idea. If it's starting sort of mid-morning where you have a chance to use those hours to um, to fuel up properly as well. Depends on how big of a breakfast they can have. Um, so there's a couple of different factors there depending on how long it is but, but how long do you- does it take for it to actually the food that you eat to be stored as glycogen is going to take at least 12 hours right so now like, that's a very specific question so so i think that i would look at it as hey i'm going to try and even if it's at 7 a.m or 12 p.m i would be in my head and this might be wrong I'm going to get my glycogen store sorted. And then the only food, the food that I eat that morning is more dependent on like the exogenous carbs that are just like floating around in there. Like it's not mm. becoming glycogen. So it. Well, your blood can only really tolerate like four grams of glycogen at any, or sorry, of, of carbohydrate. Yeah. No, of glycogen, of glucose. Um, I, at any time, you know, that's that's what it likes to be stable at. So it, provided your insulin is doing its job properly, it should be working as often as possible to get those carbohydrates that are circulating in the blood into storage. So one of your questions was, does every gram of carbohydrate um, get stored as glycogen for a carb loading protocol, right? So yes. if I have somebody who... I usually I have them only eating maybe eight grams per kilo of carbohydrate on a training day. Then if I up that to 10 grams per kilo, obviously that's all oh God maths. Uh, say for me, that's only two more grams per kilo, which for me is 120 grams. Right. So ideally you can get people from, say, 400 grams, sorry, four or 500 grams in the muscle to 800 grams. Right. So that's an extra 400 grams there that you that you could have eaten that you could have stored, right? The key thing about it 
is the type of food. Okay. So if I say to somebody, okay, you have to eat 10 grams per kilo of carbohydrate tomorrow. They're like, okay, right. I can do that. So they go off and they have their cereal and milk and that's fine. And then they'll go to the shop and they'll pick up some chocolate and uh, some donuts and some um, pastries. And they say, okay, yeah, that's got 20 grams per kilo or 20 grams. And that's got uh, 40 grams, but they don't realize that the donut probably full of fat, the chocolate is the wrong type of carbohydrate, not the wrong type of carbohydrate, but there's so much fat in it that that is accommodating far too many calories for the carbs to be the priority. Okay. So the fats obviously are going to slow down stomach emptying, as I said before, and uh, the delivery of those carbohydrates into circulation and then into storage. And uh, the fats are just going to take up so many calories that oh you would be massively overfeeding on that day. Yes. And that's when it becomes a problem. So how do you like this? What I usually tell people, especially if they don't have a lot of experience with carb loading, I say lean your diet towards carbs. Meaning if you have never done this, you don't have to eat that much more, but instead of having salmon and veggies, have the pasta that night, choose carbs. And then maybe at night, have a little bit of uh, extra bowl of rice. So they're not really carb loading because they're not familiar with it. They're just shifting towards carbs, which kind of goes along with what you're saying. Like, don't pick all these fatty things. That's mm-hmm. not, that's like your celebration. If you love chocolate after your event, go eat the chocolate. Oh, yeah. pan. But like, that's not going to fuel you. And there are products out there that people send me these labels. And I said, dude, look, this one thing has 17% of your daily recommendation for fat. And you're going to eat that on the bike ride. That's yeah. not going to make you fast. You want rocket yeah. fuel. Well, yeah, but depend, depending on what type of ride they're, they're doing. Yeah. And look, Sorry. yeah, well, absolutely. I, for for an event today. So now, you was... can say, you can say lean towards carbs, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, to get the benefit yeah. of carb loading, you may as well just follow the whole thing, like, yeah. and stick to, you know, big bowls of rice and honey or, you know, cocoa pops with, low fat milk and um cocoa puffs have some weird things in them i'm just gonna say that uh, bread yeah fire in sugar yeah there's some there's uh because i like i've been on this very no preservative preservative thing and i actually mm. posted a video from our conversation about eat the sugar and i held up a bag of swedish fish that i bought at this little store on a ride swedish which i normally try to avoid it has red dye whatever it's got another funky thing. It's not pure sugar. And so I was like, someone's going to call me on the thumbnail. Nobody did. So you guys, you missed it. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. clean. Anyways, okay. So carb loading, we'll, can we put out there taking in all of these variations, eight to 10 grams per one kilogram of body weight? Is that our final? Or 10 to 12. So you're going to go 12? See, I like 12. I, I, oh, I went 12. Now let me ask um, you this. What, what do you feel that makes it very hard to stay within the not overeating. Is it okay to overeat then for that one day? This is where this is, this is, you know, this is a funny one, right? Because it goes back to what you said about Pogletar, um, Pogletar. Timmy Tim. Yeah. Okay. We'll call him that. Uh, You don't even know me, dude. Don't call me Timmy Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Who? (laughs) And, uh, and what he says about carbohydrate usage, obviously when you are in that carb loading, right? So obviously if you've got hundreds of grams of carbohydrate available to you, your muscle is going to be like, oh yes, I'm going to use all of that. Mm-hmm. And your your carbohydrate utilization during the session, say your activation session, will be upregulated. So 
you're going to be kind of tapping into those stores quite a lot more than if you were to have just followed a kind of a normal diet beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I tend to follow what you said about keeping your activation in the morning and then using the window of opportunity afterwards to really maximize carbohydrate replenishment there because all those glycogen stores pathways are so massively upregulated and uh, take on quite a lot. I like I overfuel that session, that activation session on the on that morning and then follow the rest of it. Now, there is that one day study where they because there's obviously a couple of different types of carb loading strategies. Initially, it was three days of carbohydrate um, carbohydrate depletion, mm. uh, followed by three days of carbohydrate like supercompensation. Then, which we know by is not true, correct? Yeah, absolutely not required whatsoever. Yeah. So, but there is that one day study where they don't actually do any exercise at all the day before. Mm-hmm. Follow this ten to twelve grams per kilo, um, and arrive at the at the session uh, fully glycogen uh, stored on that day. So, and I've had athletes who don't have the opportunity to, to do activation rides the day before. And, uh, and for that one day, yes, they will be eating a lot more, but their fat intake is going to be really low mm-hmm. and it has to be like super, super low. Their protein intake is just a moderate amount of protein. Like it can't be anything like what we'd usually have. Um, and most of the calories are coming from carbohydrate there. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you should be able to stay within a relatively close target for the day? It depends on what your target is. Like, okay. I mean, yeah, I, guess what, I would what, say, I, yes. Yeah. I, like, I mean, like, obviously hey. I'm doing it like, so people and I'm planning it in for people and absolutely they're staying within their sort of calorie targets okay. <laughs> for those days. Um, But the, but the, like, the priority at that point isn't really calorie targets. It's their performance the day afterwards. Right. And, okay. And so that, that's, I, well, that's what I wanted to hear. Like, yeah. screw if you gain, if you go over a surplus of 1500 calories, it's going to make mm. you faster. And then what would they do? Just maybe say, hey, did I gain a little weight? Do I just knock off a few hundred for the next week or so? Yeah. Or- but, and then it's the, then it's the pooping thing as well. Like if they can clear out their colon during the, during the day before, because they're having such a volume of food, but all the all the glycogen has kind of been been stored. Then there's that kind of weight that maybe is coming out as well. I mean, so they shouldn't feel like they're gaining a ton of weight by. Oh gosh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. Okay, we had a quick question. We've kind of hit carbs a lot, but someone had asked about fueling not only for workouts and endurance events, but how does this impact my overall health? What do you have a I mean, is this bad for overall health? And maybe give like a 60 second blurb on, you know. Was that the fructose element? No, this was the guy talking about Dr. Lustig, talking about carbs being converted to triglycerides and his are high when he's on carbs, but when he's fat adapted, he can so, drop them. Ah, yeah, low. no, and I remember, yeah. Um, the, the What I'd love to get people to do a lot of is metabolic testing, like, mm. and actually see what their, what their fuel preference is at rest and at any given intensity when they're exercising because obviously predominantly at rest it should be um relatively higher in fats okay that's what you should be burning more of then if they can do a metabolic test they can literally see how many grams per of carbohydrate they would be burning and they could tailor everything just exactly to that 
output, that graph that would show you your fat utilization and your carbohydrate utilization. There is a, like, you might've heard them, the insight tests. I don't know how you feel about them, but, um, yeah, I know, but like they, they are a really good visual and good like visual. I've seen so many of them at this point where, where you can see that like for really glycolytic, um, athletes, you can see that their carb utilization far exceeds their fat oxidation um, at any given point. So so for this, for someone like that, you'd be able to really refine their carb intake depending on what they needed. So with carb I just loading... Want to, just give me one second. This is where I play elevator background music. Dude. <laughs> that... Uh... Mm -hmm. Can I change your lighting? Oh yeah, no, I didn't realize the sun was so darn bright. It's like it's so. Super let me ask you this: here. When we're talking about Sorry carb loading, you had said that carbs will then be more the preferred fuel source when you have carb loaded. Does that mean that we're going to undergo more glycolysis and become more glycolytic, therefore creating more hydrogen ions from that breakdown of fuel, which would technically make us less efficient sometimes in a like we could do more work, but some of that work could be dangerously costly to our performance like you know it's a it, it... yeah no that's an interesting one because you've got more you've got more i think i've just made that worse haven't i um that... <laughs> <laughs> the um what's it so what you're saying there is that you've got more carbohydrate available to you so you're automatically going to be more glycolytic so I, not I, I don't know the answer Necessarily, you get of carbohydrates as well, more so than glycolytic um, pathways. So, and obviously, glycolysis is, is kind of the preemptive for all of this. But the the lactate accumulate or the the hydrogen ion uh, production from that, I, I'm not. I don't know if I don't know. Nobody, if I've asked this knows. question many times and no, people are always like, but well, in theory, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mm. make sense because carb loading works, but I don't, I have not found the answer. Uh, maybe I'll ask Tim also. I haven't found the answer of why this is not true. Like if we're using more carbs, we should be creating a surplus of hydrogen ions, which as everyone knows is what makes us feel that, Ooh, wow, this is, this hard. This is yeah, hard. Not, not via the oxidative pathways though. Um, there, yes, glycolysis is the first step to oxidating or uh, combusting carbohydrate. But if you, <laughs> damn you, you caught me out there. <laughs> I don't mind saying that. Yeah, you caught me out. Uh, no, it it's good. This is it's not calling out. Yeah. Just, all right. Yeah. Let's talk about, are there any differences in what people should be doing to getting to the end of a longer race with gas in the tank? Well, that's kind of fueling and carb loading, really, and making okay. sure that's, they're sorry, I, I, I meant to say everything. like that tax on to that topic. I just want to make sure is there anything else that we need to touch on that? Because I know oh, that was important. No, no, I think yeah, no, no. I think the carb loading strategy and then making sure you know what your fueling your your intra right fueling is. Uh, that's the main thing there. Okay. What about managing weight loss without losing power? Well, that goes back to the protein element and the carbohydrate periodization. Um, so you're not taking on excess carbohydrate when you are not training 
and you're keeping those really high carb meals for around training or the evening before a big training uh, ride. We're only talking about training here, not really competing. Mm-hmm. Um, then if you if you prioritize, well, it kind of goes back to that inside test that I was telling you about. So, <laughs> do you use inside? I have done it, yeah. Okay. And it was a proper eye-opener into the type of training that I could be doing to maximize my, or at least to kind of calm down my glycolytic pathways. <laughs> because Do you KO for your training at all? Uh, my coach does, yeah. And What's your VLA max at? Do you know off the top of your head? I would just be curious. No, I don't. Um, it's a decimal I- number. It's like. I, I'd just be curious where it falls, but my only thing with the inside was uh, that yeah. I didn't well, no, get, see, that's the thing. It came out from people. my inside test, though. I wonder. Um, yeah, yeah, it definitely came out from my inside test, but yeah, no, it was high. Like it was, okay. it was too high for like the um, the what you call it, the events that I'm doing. Okay, oh. so that's why I found it so useful, and and seeing that at my say fat max, which is defined as the maximum amount of carbohydrates that you can use. Um, sorry, it's when, oh God, I never get it right. But it's when your carb max, or when your fat oxidative uh, oxidation highest. peaks out, basically. There you go. And sorry, I That's... don't know why I'm trying to explain that to you. But, <laughs> no, it's good. I, I didn't say, I didn't mean it that way. I was just like, fat max. That, yeah, that well, yeah, like it's a good way of saying it. The most fat but, burned. Yeah. But mine, um, mine was happening at such a low power output, hmm. and and obviously, if you are if you are at that power output, say mine was like 130 watts, right? If that's the highest intensity that I can use the most amount of fats, then at that intensity, I'm actually using quite a lot of carbohydrate, obviously, to fuel the um calories per hour, right? So. For me to see that, I was like, well, I kind of need to work on that because it does mean that I will just chow down through my carbohydrate stores at a rate of knots. And even if I was to eat like 300 or like 120 grams of carbs per hour, I was never going to keep on top of it. And that's kind of why I found it so useful, because it meant that I could work on that over a winter of training um, and sort of prioritize training around that to improve that adaptation. Um, are you going to be doing really long events or what are you training for? Ah, uh, yeah, I've got the world gravel worlds next in a couple of weeks. Okay. That's a long event. Yeah. Um, I think it's a long event anyways. Maybe it's not long to you. No, I don't know. How long will it take? Uh, um, well, the last, the UCI one that we did in Scotland was four hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of assuming they're all going to be around the same. Mm-hmm. Cool. That'd be awesome. Good luck. But your question there. What was your actual question? Just managing weight loss without losing power. Oh, yeah. Uh, Protein, basically distributing protein throughout the day, making sure that uh, it's coming from really high quality sources. Like plant-based athletes really need to know what a high quality protein source is for them. Their protein intake requirements are going to be naturally higher because protein from plant sources is not as bioavailable. So say, for example, if I have a protein requirement for this meal and it's 30 grams of protein, then for plant-based proteins, it should be 40. Um, They need to know how to combine their protein sources so that they're getting a complete amino acid profile. Leucine is their, um, is the, is a trigger basically for muscle protein growth. So if a diet is 
kind of pretty much low in that, then your muscle turnover um, is going to be too high. And if you're in a calorie deficit, you're just going to be losing muscle mass. So it's always a priority for protein intake to retain lean muscle. Do you think it's possible to really lose weight during the race season or is this something that really needs to be focused on before? Um, that's a really good question. And it that kind of depends on the athlete mm. and what their previous history is with their weight. If they are someone who is susceptible to yo-yoing, Mm-hmm. Wait throughout the um throughout their lives throughout their like athletic career. Then I would say for them focusing on the winter to prioritize body composition is their best bet. Then on the in the during the um during the race season, they're never going to be in a calorie deficit because to put them in a calorie deficit would expect they would start to expect things. They would expect the weight to be coming off. And if it didn't come off, then that would eke into their psyche and they would get a little bit mentally unprepared the for their racing. See, it comes in even into weight Oh loss. yeah, definitely. Mindset yeah. is huge. Yeah. Huge. It can be crippling or it can be empowering. What's your thoughts on caffeine for athletes? Uh, it can be rocket fuel. Okay. And I, uh, dosage, timing, the dosage, well, timing is, uh, depends on what it is. Right. So for, if say, if you're using caffeine gum, uh, 15 minutes is fine to have it before your event no, or before the required benefit. That's the main thing there. Um, for tablets or, um, yeah, for tablets, you have to kind of have it an hour before because it has to go through digestion. Whereas with gum, it's going straight into circulation via your gums. Wait, so what about in a gel? How fast does that hit? In a gel, that's a good one. Um, It doesn't have to be digested. It doesn't have to be broken down. I'd say somewhere in the middle, half an hour, maybe 20 minutes. Oh, wow. um, and then obviously the dosage is, there is some evidence that like three grams per kilo, sorry, three Three, three, three milligrams, milligrams per kilo. Oh, milligrams. Right. Hello. Milligrams. <laughs> Sorry. Warning, you're going to die. <laughs> oh God, the shakes. Um, three grams per kilo is enough, but uh, sorry, milligrams per kilo. Um, but I would kind of tend towards the five milligrams per kilo. Anything over six isn't really going to give you any benefit. This and is total probably for just the day. Oh no, for that dosage before the required benefit. Yeah, so three. Like, I'd be taking a two forty. I'm eighty kgs. That is a mega. If I take seventy five, I'm. I feel that. There are now people are some people are going to be more susceptible to it than others. I am very sensitive to caffeine. Habitual caffeine uh, drinkers will probably have less of a benefit and for those people I would say going caffeine free for the seven days before your events to get more of a benefit on the day sure. is that a good idea one of my questions that sounds terrible though but you say you, you're quite sensitive to caffeine well I only drink like two cups of coffee and when I say sensitive I mean I just feel it a lot so if I drink caffeine late it affects my sleep I don't yeah. need much in a gel when I first started when I first started drinking coffee this was after coffee. I got in coffee late in life, which is pr- probably a good thing. And 
I had a mocha pot. I don't even know where I got this thing. I'm like, oh, mocha pot. I like, and it makes a little coffee. I don't really know what espresso was. So I take all this coffee, I put it in the mocha pot and out comes, I poured a cup of espresso. And so I was drinking this and I was crashing so hard in the afternoon. I'm like, I don't know if caffeine is like really for me. My <laughs> friend came over to my house. He said, wait a minute. I, I heard you just started drinking coffee. Are you drinking this? And I said, hey, he's like, so how much water are you putting in I said, putting in water. What do you mean? I said, I'm making that. I'm pouring a cup. He said, are you drinking this whole thing? And it was the big mocha. He's like, dude, that's like eight shots of espresso. And you've gone from zero He's, to oh, however many shots. And then, oh man, yeah, did you sleep so for a week? But I was, I was getting like sad. It was the afternoon. I was like, I'm not happy right now. And it's just like a mm-hmm. mega, it's so, I'm now, not the smartest this is person. all, and people are going to be affected in different ways, right? And this is the key thing. You really need to practice caffeine and training. Mm. Same with bicarb or etanol, and not so much, but same with bicarb. Like if, um, if you start taking, say, for example, for me, uh, five grams, five milligrams per kilo for me, I think is about 300 milligrams. Uh, I can't remember. Um, anyway, but I, I usually take two. No, I don't usually. I, I'd have two caffeine gums generally, say before crit, and they're generally 50 milligrams or maybe 100 milligrams. Um, But I have to space them out. And there is something, I had a chat with my teammate about this over the weekend, but I think there's something to do maybe with the caffeine gum that means you don't get as much of a crash mm. from the caffeine afterwards. I don't know if that's that's in the literature at any point, right? But Go Sorry, ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. You're done. Go ahead. Um, but definitely with say the caffeine tablets, uh, if you take all all of them in in the one go, then sort of the caffeine crash that you get after that is a bit sad. Mm. Yeah. And I heard that like the actual caffeine versus co- caffeine in coffee is different. Like the synthetic is more beneficial to endurance athletes. Like coffee's good, but it's the like the caffeine whatever it is, is it's caffeine and hydro and hydrogen. Yeah. But it just means this caffeine's dehydrated. It's obviously just more concentrated and, okay. uh, and it's like, it doesn't have anything else. It doesn't have like, say the tannins that are in coffee or it doesn't have any of the other stuff that is in coffee. So do you reduce your caffeine the week before? No, impossible. Okay. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> I like to say, I'm I like craving but I just... right now. And I'm like, I gotta wean <laughs> off this stuff. Get out of here. I definitely could have a detox after say we did a stage race there uh, two weeks ago and I definitely could have done with a caffeine detox after that after that race. But I think I lasted a day. Um, uh, I just like it so much. It's just so darn tasty. Yeah, I heard that somebody a long time ago before like social media was a thing. Somebody had was talking about like taking uh, they do a week or two after the season to let their adrenal glands like, I don't know if that's oh, yeah, a, yeah, mm, that, like, yeah, definitely. And hormones as well. Hormones aren't the biggest fan of uh, high doses of caffeine. So maybe see, I would do this during my off season break, but I'm gonna go to Chicago and I'm gonna be like eating stuff and wanting to drink like more coffee because it's like vacation and that's like the only really way I can rage now. So I don't know, yeah, but it's, it's a personal that. preference, like, and and but absolutely like there is definitely the the research to show that if you do reduce it or like kind of minimize it take it out eliminate it that's the word i'm looking for uh eliminate it in the lead up to a, a key event you will have more performance benefit on the day okay. now um 
that kind of stands to reason then if you are a habitually high caffeine taker, that maybe you need more on the day to get the performance right. benefit or from it. What about cramping? Do you think that that is ever caffeine related or do you think it's just a sodium electrolyte thing or just stress on the muscles and you haven't done those efforts and the muscles saying, sorry, not today. I'm not sure about the caffeine aspect. Okay. It is a, it is. Now I'm not sure about the caffeine aspect, right? But there are so many things, right? Obviously electrolyte imbalances is one of them. Um, so, but the central nervous fatigue this is kind of why it mostly happens at the for for the people who um get cramp because of fatigue of the mind so your brain is misfiring those connections that stimulate muscle contraction and um what's the opposite of contraction i can never remember it anyway it's going longer and shorter <laughs> right and um the yeah so if you're if central fatigue is the factor then um for those athletes, oh yeah, sorry. So uh, they, they basically need a bit of a stimulus to to uh, what you know when you give um um a shock to somebody who's in yeah. uh, cardiac arrest and you shock them into kind of the heart back into pumping and it's it's kind of like that, right? So mm, there is I some know that. for some research, right? There is like um. Uh, suggestion that pickle juice or something that's really sour, sour, yeah, yes. can stimulate that kind of reconnection or that sort of repulsing nature of that central nervous fatigue that happens that could cause cramp. Hmm. So, but the thing is, it's kind of temporary, um, and it doesn't last last very long. So, say for example, if you're like three hours into a four hour race and you go smashing up a hill and you're like, oh my God, I've got cramp. And you can take these things called cramp fix gels that are basically like concentrated vinegar. Um, you, you take that, that uh, reorganizes things and your muscles go back to firing normally. And then maybe 30 minutes later, when it comes to the sprint finish, it, they've you've gone back to cramping again. Um so you kind of have to take quite a bit of it or maybe, I don't know. I did actually see a picture of Lachlan Morton drinking pickle juice, um, obviously in some event. And I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. Just hmm. like drinking a jar of pickle juice with the, what do you call them? Little gherkins in them. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. What's the last one I have? And then if there's anything else you want to hit on, the athlete who had asked us about the timing with eating when he only can ride after dinner. And so he obviously would struggle with a full stomach. And this is similar to the athlete you were talking about. Um, you know, he never feels what, what could he do in terms of calories? So that he's not eating less because that would not be optionally be losing weight without having to eat so much after dinner that he feels poorly. Um, would you recommend them eating more before dinner, maybe at lunch or are these calories wasted? And it's kind of encapsulates everything that we've talked about. Yeah, and it's all to do with timing and where, where you can get the most amount of calories in that isn't going to a affect his training and then b affect his sleep. 
Um, and obviously the 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 priority be to be the priority being fueling his performance and then recovering him as quickly as possible. Um, it would depend on what he's having for his dinner, but it could be that he could have half before and half afterwards. Um, obviously people like to eat their evening meals, say with their families, and that's just when they're going to be, that's when they would like to schedule in their, their eating time. Uh, but if it's, if, if it works better for them to have a bigger meal beforehand or like have quite a substantial pre-training snack, again, depending on where his meals fit in throughout the day, um, then he could have like a smaller evening meal after that and like enjoy the time with his family if that was if that was the thing. That's one thing I brought up in the email to him of like, hey, I understand like dinner is family time. So, you know, how does this work? Can you eat earlier and skip dinner, but be there in person? Or is that not a good idea? Oh, that's so so grim, Brendan. Who puts somebody at a dinner table and tells them not to eat? (laughs) No, I mean, like if you're going to go ride in 20 minutes, I wouldn't. I mean, I've been at a, I've been at Thanksgiving and done, you know, like big early brunch breakfast and then wait three hours and I'm going to ride. And so people are like having like a second meal. And I'm just like kind of chilling there. I don't really like I would want to go ride. Oh, I see. I can't. It's also, can't it's also a really people. bad idea to plan a ride on Thanksgiving when your family's there. They might yell at you. So I'm not. Yeah. Life lesson. Go away and peel some potatoes. Um, yeah, I, um, I was going to say there, yeah, I can't, I have an inability to sit around people and not have something to eat. It invariably means that I rob whoever is eating food, but, uh, yeah, I find it really difficult to not eat when people are eating. So That's good. Well, popping. I'm glad those are your suggestions because I, we had this conversation early September and he emailed back and said, Hey, I waited to reply to try some of these. They worked and it's going well. Really appreciate it. Thanks to you and Ellen. So oh, wow. any last topics um, with respect to time? I think we're kind of up. At yes, it. but it's going to have to, it's going to have to come up on another day. Right. So like this whole discussion around ketones, right. Can mm. I bring this up? You can bring it up. Let's go. I mean, we we can have yeah, another Yeah, and it's podcast. probably a I'll conversation do, that we need to have, are, right? So I don't know if you read the comments. People were like, Ellen needs to be a regular. I'm like, oh, Ellen yeah, has a well, life and doesn't want to talk to me all the time. Ellen, Ellen needs to sort out her environment before she can be a regular. Anyway, um, I got the mic. That's good. Um, the, yeah, so there's a whole discussion around them. And, oh, God... We'll just have to keep it for another day because I just need to get so many things Let me out ask you and this. discuss What's so many things. What's the number one thing that's like when you're thinking about oh. ketones? Where is your mind going with that? Um, what does the research say? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, research, and like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is obviously since it's so new is anecdotal. I think the research there's some for it and there's some against it. And my big thing is that. We need to make sure if we're using research, we're actually looking at highly trained athletes. Like what does this Mm -hmm. do to them in their actual training and racing? I think the interesting thing is that there are the word of how many pro tour teams use this, but they tend to use it for recovery. Whereas this is a product that I probably promote maybe five or six things that I have found that work for me that I'm willing to talk about and that I like to try and help these brands. Number one, because I'm selfish and I want them to never go away because I'm obsessed with their products. Yeah. But I'll say, you know, usually it works for 
six or seven out of 10 people. There's always outliers that things just don't work or they don't like it or it feels weird or whatever. Ketones is one of the first things where I would say nine out of 10 people say, oh my God, this is insane. And it's everyone from a road race, definitely the long gravel people. I have a bunch of athletes that will, they're like, you always take these every morning. And I thought it was BS and they're business people. And like, I am like keyed up and locked in to work, which is, there is going to be some really crazy. I don't, I'm probably not supposed to be talking about this. Uh, yeah, actually I'm not going to talk about it because I might get in trouble, but the, we'll just say neuro mapping has become more readily accessible outside of like big labs. And we are going to see some crazy brain activation stuff when people take ketones. And I'm trying to get yeah. myself involved in this because I'm freaking hyped about it. And some of the names that are getting involved with these brands, it's just like people are seeing, I've had pro teams who have been like, Hey man, I've seen you've been taking these data. Like I'm looking through some of the research and I'm talking to other people and it seems like everyone's going to need to be taking these. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Um, now see from my perspective, right. Uh, I kind of have to hold my hand up and say that I I got a little bit confused. No, I didn't get confused. I got a little bit um uh, yeah, maybe confused yeah. is the right way right way to say it, right? Cuz uh there's obviously the different types at the moment that are yeah. being heavily marketed. You've got the Delta G ketone esters and then you've got the HVMN which are ketone dials, right? Now you've written a blog about this. Yeah. And then and there, I think transparency for for all of this is is kind of is kind of missing a little bit, and yeah, the the performance benefits or the recovery benefits. Obviously, if you listen to Brendan Egan talk about this, like he's very clear that there is a threshold for um ketone um uh minimum, um, ketone bodies circulating in the blood for it to be of any performance benefit, and the level at which to which your ketone levels bodies are rising um with the different types of products is so different but and then the, the different effects that you can feel off of either ones and then and i feel like i've been kind of blindsided a little bit by the different companies marketing exploits and the stuff that they can use on their website rather than the actual research and only by going through Brendan Egan's fully detailed like hundreds of studies that he went through I think it's like 44 pages long this research report on the different types of ketones and everything did I actually say oh my god I got this totally wrong Mm. that's not to say that with the uh, products that the where the ketones don't rise as much in the blood that they don't have their benefits. Like I've seen people get like really amazing sleep um, after using them for a couple of couple of days. But from from my perspective, I, I would like to see more studies done on the types of ketones that aren't ketone esters that are being sold to, to be the same thing. Yes. So the compounds, there needs to be clarification on all the compounds. Also, a point that when we're talking about performance benefits with ketone levels rising, everybody, more is not always better. And this was Mm -hmm. the one thing that I really respected about some of the people I was talking to because I said, 
I was thinking more, more is better. Like, no, if you have too many ketone bodies in your blood, that's when you can start to inhibit glycolysis. And there are people that have been in podcasts and say, oh, well, the problem with ketones is that you can't go hard. I will dispel that is total BS. I've done mega and mega for me, watts mm -hmm. versus non-ketone performing watts have had no problem, have done crits with, you know, seven minutes of FRC, no problem. And that's a one hour event. Um, yeah. Now, see, but you see, the, the the research doesn't support that, like it, that that you can get a high intensity benefit from ketone ingestion from acute ketone ingestion unless you take it with a with an acid buffering or yeah, an acid buffering. What agent. I'm wondering is that the amount of ketones taken. If you have too many, it's a mm. bad thing. If you mm. have the right level, I haven't seen any performance uh, hindrance at all. Yeah. So I think there's, we are, it's super early days. And I think one thing we need to remember, we just did 30 minutes of a podcast on a thing called carbohydrates that have been around forever. And we are still learning the best way to do everything. And we are still dialing everything in. Ketones are so new. How, I mean, most, a lot of cyclists listening to this, we're, we were in a time when it was 60 grams an hour. That was the most carbs that we could absorb. And what do you know? We have way more. And now we're saying maybe we're going too high. Like we're still dialing in a macronutrient. So we're in the early days. Ketones definitely test on yourself before a race. If you have not tried it, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll, the, I would be surprised if you didn't say, wow. Um, it's worth trying. It's also super expensive. So I think other athletes are like, okay, that's just not even in my budget and I need to wait. That's another factor. You know, if you have money to They're spend. also like, let's just call a spade a spade. They taste they amazing. Fire. Yeah. Horrible. They're vile. Horrible. And it's actually kind of, I think, a an acquired taste. I'm, I don't hate it, but I will say sometimes it packs a different punch. I'm just like, oof, ow. Yeah. And what what ones do you use? I use Delta G. I use the raw one because it's the most ester. The tacti tactical ones. Ta tactical and just to clarify, tactical and the ketone, the gold bottle are the exact same product. The tactical is placed in a plastic bottle, so you can put it in your jersey and you don't have to worry about crushing glass. I love the glass bottle one because it's more like fancy and elegant and like it's sitting there and I love the glass. It's, it's just the aesthetic the label off and have this pure glass little beaker of ketones. It's like, I want you. Now, see, I am. Um, I've obviously been trying the the other one, the HMN um, yeah. product. And do you know what? It actually tastes kind of nice. It's not bad. It tastes like it's alcohol. It's not bad. <laughs> but then the um then the, the 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 tactical ones showed up there the other day and I tried that yesterday and I was like Oof, oh my it's God, a different I'm it's a different beast. <laughs> Yeah. I, I did I got into ketones when people sent me the HVMN. I didn't it didn't do anything for me. I was really bummed. And so I was like, ketones are stupid. And then I tried Delta G and I was like, oh that's and the feed has That's a really good article it. that I put bits in the blog that I wrote about my experience with it just the difference in what the compounds are. And so, and try it. I mean, some people have said HVMN works for them. I think it's total BS. And just looking at some of the studies too, I think it's, I think it's kind of dangerous to be giving to some people because of if they do start to feel a little drunk, um, you don't want to be on a bike and descending a mountain. So yeah, not a great place to be. No. Hey, Ellen. 
Thank you. We'll put links. If you guys need help with nutrition, you should talk to Ellen on a more personal level. Get with her about what she can help you with for your events. And don't wait until February to start dialing in things for next season. I would be getting my nutrition dialed so that I'm fueling properly in the off season because that's when a ton of your gains are going to be made. Strength gains and just get in early so that you can work with someone. She'll know you like full stop by the time it comes racing season. So any last closing words? Yeah, no, I do like how you rounded up there about the whole uh, getting your macros or getting that one macronutrient correct before going looking at any supplements. And it's the same with caffeine, bicarb, ketones, uh, all the rest of them. Uh, more often than not, it's the timing and type of all the, all those carbs, fats and protein that can make the biggest impact on your performance. Um, and so often you see people taking these ergogenic aids that have no idea what they're doing and have no idea how to be uh, structuring them throughout their fueling schedule. Obviously, that's part of the work that I do with athletes, but the basics have to be right. And that um, that solid foundation. Before yeah, before you, you try to optimize everything, get, get the basics in. That's a Makes really sense. good point to end on. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Leave us a review. Tell us what you loved. Tell us what you disagree with. Leave some comments below. Share it with a friend. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.